Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. thankful to know Jim and for who he is and, and for what he brings. And uh, Jim is a, has a gift in him to, to uh, inspire you to change the way you think. And I love that about him because we need that. We need to change the way we think, right? We need to think like God himself thinks. Everything changes when you begin to embrace God's thoughts. Brother Jim, would you come on up here? Let's welcome Brother Jim Hockaday. And just do you. Yes, sir. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, the Lord is good, right? Let's go ahead and just have a word of prayer, and we'll just bless the Lord and thank the Lord from this point on. Amen. Even as the music has been so wonderful that anything's possible, just like Pastor said, right? So, Father, I thank you so much for your presence, for the glory of God. Lord, we don't always have to see things obviously, to know that they're in our midst. But Lord, I thank you that tonight there'll be tangibility in this room. That before we leave, individuals, Lord, will feel your presence and see into the spiritual world and understand more of their position in Christ and who we are. And Lord, we take authority over sickness and disease and things that are not right. That's what righteousness did to us. It messed us up so well that we can't help but make wrong things right. Righteousness has a desire in us to change what is wrong and bring about what is true and what is right. So, Father, tonight, just do all this so wonderfully as you do, and we'll get out of the way enough so that you have freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, praise the Lord. Um, I was praying for a woman uh, back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, with a friend of mine. And she had had uh, cancer and was getting really bad to the point where uh, she was on morphine. And when she got on morphine, she started seeing uh, into the spiritual realm. (laughs) And, of course, you know, that that thought kind of went by my mind. Hmm, morphine, spiritual realm. No, but I didn't take any. I promise I didn't. And so anyhow, uh, we were praying for her. And this is what happened one night. Uh, her husband came in, just, just walked into the room as normal. And when he did, she just said out loud, she said, honey, don't, don't move any closer. And he said, why not? And she said, well, because there's a big angel right here by the bed. And he said, there's an angel right here? He, she said, yeah, right next to you. And his shoulders go right up into the ceiling, and his head goes beyond the ceiling. She was seeing, see into that spiritual world. And, and, the, and the husband just said to her, well, then if an angel's here, why don't you ask him how come you're not healed? Well, she hadn't thought of that, so she said, oh, okay. So she said, how come I'm not healed to the angel? And the reply was, but you're already healed. In other words, almost in a quandary as to, why would you ask that? And then the husband said, okay, well, if you're already healed, then ask him how come it's taken so long. So she said, how come it's taken so long? And the angel looked at her and said, you're making this much, much too difficult. Healing is very easy. 
And so I share that with you because there's so much more about the spiritual world than we're allowing ourselves actually to perceive and to understand. But of course, the truth of God's word is spiritual truth. Amen? Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So he came to help break us over into the normality of spiritual things. But in that world, see, everything looks really different than we perceive things right down here. So you may look at your body, you may look at a situation and say, man, I'm really fighting up against this, but you're not fighting up against that because that's subject to change. You're fighting up against something beyond that, and the truth of the matter is we're really not fighting anymore. We're maintaining and enforcing a position of 100% victory from a God who loves us, who completely defeated the devil. You know, the words that Jesus said when he came out of the grave, all power has been given unto me, those words still to me are one of my favorite scriptures because that's a first. And anytime you see a first in scripture, that means a precedent is being set. And when Jesus came out of the grave, he was the first human being that was able to utter the words, all power is now inside of a human being. When Jesus was on the earth before the cross, he walked in Adam's anointing. You have to understand that. Some people embellish the idea that Jesus had all power before he went to the cross. Well, he did not. He did not. And for those that have a problem with that, I'm sorry, but when Jesus says something like this, John 17, 1 through 5, Father, I've completed your assignment. I've finished the job. Now glorify me with the glory which I had from the beginning. He couldn't be walking in all the glory. Why would you ask for something that you had before? The Apostle Paul picked up on the revelation and said Jesus came as a man insomuch that he laid aside his privilege and his glory to walk as God. Not considering, though... That as a man, he was equal with God. Oh, that's amazing right there. Amen. Which means God made us so much like him in the image and likeness of God that on the earth we can walk as though we are God in flesh. Amen. Now we understand who we are, but the more you magnify who he is, then it takes all of the insecurity out of your walk. Amen. And you start realizing that when I step forward, so does Jesus. Amen. When I put my hands up, so does he. Amen. So that spiritual world is the world that's correct and right. And that's who the Holy Ghost is. He's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth or the spirit of the real reality that wants to lead us, guide us, and show us things in that world. Amen. And when you start seeing things by the Holy Spirit, that's where revelation comes, then everything about the earth begins to change. And I'll tell you, every single healing, miracle, sign, wonder, and advancement to a believer's life, the Holy Spirit has to be involved somehow. So if there's one person we want to get really good at following, and that is the Holy Ghost. Amen? So tonight we're going to share just a couple of thoughts. And of course, uh, what's, what's your name again? Melissa greeted me with, man, that stuff you preached on, you know, concerning the cleansing the temple, that was awesome. And I'm thinking, I was planning on talking about that tonight. <laughs> so I asked her, I said, you know, would you be dis disappointed if I preached on some of that tonight? She goes, oh, no, 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 that's good. So, uh, you know, sometimes you walk in and you hear something, you think, well, that's a confirmation. I'm preaching the right thing. And then tonight I walked in thinking, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if that's, anyhow. It's all good. Praise the Lord. We did bring a little bit of product. Our last place over in Torrington, Con uh, Connecticut, uh, they uh, bought up most everything. And so real thankful for that. Uh, pleased to give it away or, or, 
let people take it when they can. But we do have a few things out there. One is uh, uh, this miraculous Gospel of John. It's a great little book, and it's, it's a commentary. Uh, so I went to the Gospel of John because in the Gospel of John, I feel like there's, there's some uniqueness to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke are very, very similar, but John seems to take a little bit of a different approach, and there's a little bit more intimacy bef- between Jesus and the Father. Amen. And, and then in John, there's some wonderful, wonderful ways of seeing some things. And so what I did, and the whole you know, kind of slant to this commentary is, if I can think like Jesus, I can do like Jesus. So I take everything he says and everything he does, and I embellish that into a new covenant, new creation reality thought that we are just like him. This is why he said it. This is why he did it. Now think like that. Do like that. You'll have it too. Amen. So that's what's in there. Amen. I'm going to give that one to Pastor tonight. Amen. I think that'll be good. It, it, uh, it'll at least hold down some other books in case you need a paperweight. Amen. And this one right here is what is reality? This is part two, but there's part one, only one left of part one, and then there's part threes out there. There's uh, 200 plus sermons in these three series here. This has about 84 hours on it. And this is all about connecting people to God. Now, you gotta be real careful the way I say this because I don't want you to get offended and hear me out completely so you don't lose track here when I say this. We're so... um, as I travel from church to church to church to church, people are so, and pastors are so, interested in connecting people to the church that we forget to say things like, let's get connected to God. But see, the church is the body of Christ. But what they're trying to connect you to is the institution. Amen. And so thank God we have a building here. But the building is not the church. It's a place where we can come and gather. Amen. And for everybody, praise the Lord, that you're not here and you could be here. You can come and gather here safely. Amen. And you won't get sick. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. And we need one another. And one of the greatest reasons why we need one another, listen closely, is so that we can share from our own unique individual personal relationship with God what he has done for us this week which will for sure, in most cases, be different from the way that someone else is experiencing God in their week. The grace of God is limited by how big you can think. Amen. Even the Apostle Paul says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, the Amplified says, infinitely beyond your highest prayers, desires, hopes, or dreams. So is he asking you to go outside of your known limitations? Yes. Why? Because the power of God is already at work in you. God doesn't have to start it, and he's working on that ripcord, you know what I mean, to get that mower started. No, it's already working, but he needs you to open up your mind to something that you've not thought of. One of the greatest ways to do that is to listen listen to another uh, sheep in the same pasture, eating the same grass, tell you what they experienced, and it's totally different from anything you would have thought of. And you stand back and say, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's awesome. Now I have another opportunity in my arsenal of thoughts to experience God in a different way I've ever experienced him before. Now, I'm going to make this comment. I've said this for years and years and years, and I'm sorry to say that it's more appropriate now than it's ever been. People are still excited about faith as long as they don't have to use theirs. (laughs) Amen. And what does that say? We're losing people's confidence. 
because faith was never supposed to be a subject unto itself. It was an experience with a person. Even the scripture, you know, that we use to say, keep on getting in the word and the word and the word and hearing and hearing and hearing. Are you a proponent of hearing and hearing? Well, yes, because a lot of times we don't get it the first time. But I'm full of faith. I've got the God kind. I've got the God kind of love, the God kind of faith, the God kind of faithfulness, the God kind of peace, the God kind of joy. Amen. The God kind of self-control, even though I didn't use it when that person... I'm a New Yorker, you know, and, and, and when I drive, I got to be real careful because my horn says things to people. It just, it will complete the story where other people's, it's a toot, mine is not a toot, and so I just have to be careful. Erin's helping me. She's being a really good Holy Ghost. She's telling me, you know, you don't have to. There's love inside of you, and there's self-control inside of you, and I keep thinking to myself, I know the next time I'll try to use it. We all have our weaknesses, and I'm learning, amen. I've gone from completely telling them that they're a moron and you better go home right now and get off the road to at least saying something like, you're doing really good. Now, now you could turn a little faster and go a little bit. So I still haven't stopped talking to them, I'm, but, but I, my language is changing. Sorry for revealing that. We want to connect with God. That's where faith becomes real. Connecting with the person. Amen? Reading his word, being inspired by what he's shared with us and given us to read. Amen? And then connecting with God. Do you know what's kind of interesting? Maybe even a couple hundred years ago, people didn't all have Bibles. They certainly didn't have 30 translations in their pocket called an iPhone. How, how in the world could they find God? Must have been impossible. No, within the heart of every human being innately is God's great desire within your heart to find him. The void that causes people to create things like Las Vegas Strip, beautiful lights, wow, is that their heart desires Jesus. Amen? And so if you want to find him, you can find him. Let's find him. Amen? Well, let's turn your Bibles to James. I think you're going to like this, chapter 4. It's always great to have my wife with me. I traveled for so many years without her, and she's been home with the kids, done a great job with them, of course, and, uh, but it's so much more fun to be together. We started our, our, well, not initially from the very moment that we got married, and we were uh, the 12th of this month. We've celebrated 30 years, so thank God for that. And, but very Soon after we were married, then we both traveled together with Brother Hagen and the Ramus Singers and Band, and we're part of the crusade team, and it was so fun. Those were just great, great years. I mean, great years. Traveling on the bus, you know, with all the friends, and, and being in the meetings, you know, and running and shouting and dancing, and of course, I always like telling the story about Erin in Kennedy, Texas, you know, and, and uh, uh, here she is, you know, um, Dr. Kennedy, I think, was, is the pastor. Now, it was Fort Worth, Texas, Dr. Kennedy. And, and uh, he's, I don't know if he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but it was, uh, it was one of the stages that was semi, 
circular like this. And then there was theater seating, and there was quite a couple thousand seats out there. And Aaron was on this part way over here, so there's not much stage over here, you know, because it's just a little sliver. And they had Brother Hagen right here and then Dr. Kennedy right there. And we got singing and shouting, and she got shouting, and she looked like she was on a bronc holding right here and that arm was just going like this and hitting Brother Hagen and he's trying to get out of the way and she pow, 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 pow. And I thought that was awesome. Amen. <laughs> One of my highlights in the Raymond Singers event. So it's just in case she gets up, amen, rides that bronc again tonight, you'll know, praise the Lord, she's a dancer. Amen. <laughs> if I get too close, she'll hit me. So anyhow, let's go on <laughs> to James chapter 4 and verse 5. And it says, or do, you not, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? You know, I've always looked for, especially this came from the healing school days, I had to find some reason why I could step beyond myself and challenge somebody to be healed and know that it was going to work. Because in the, the area of seeing answered prayers, there's always a place where you're going to have contention. And the contention will be in your soul. You're all, you know, stirred up to see God and you get to that one place and that next thread or that next little line in the sand is the one that your mind says, you know, you just, well, you put, you're better... And then you hear somebody say in the back of your mind, you better be careful about that. You know, people could lose their ministry off of that. Anytime someone's always said, you, I could lose my ministry if I did something, I did it. Because I figured, you know what? It's better to know that I'm, I'm ready to get out now than to just hang on to something that's not working. Amen? But you all come to that place. Now, last night I came to that place. And yet it, it wasn't big in me, but I heard the thoughts come. But I knew where they came from. Here's this woman, and I'm working with her, and uh, she's got pinched nerves in her shoulder for the last week and a half, and she can't turn. And I grabbed her arm and said, but Jesus says you're healed. And I worked her arm, and she went, and I saw her wince. So even though she's being a good sport and didn't say you, I saw her wince. And so the thought came, wow, that's not working too well, is it? You're going to hurt her? See, all those thoughts started coming. And there was my contention. So do you back off? No, you don't back off. I just grabbed her hands, held them for a moment after she winced, and said, wow, something's really working in you that's pretty cool. Really cool. I said, go ahead, move your, move your uh, head a little bit. And she moved her head, and she goes, wow, that's, that's changing. I said, yeah, it is. But I had a real good opportunity right then to back off and say, well, you know, the Lord is good. Bless you, sister. <laughs> Amen. We're believing with you. And then say, can we close the meeting down right now so I can leave? <laughs> right? You always have that place of contention. I'm ministering down in South Carolina, and everybody is usually within the four foot 11, five foot to the six foot six or seven right up here, you know. <clears throat> and I got to this one guy now. I looked up and I thought, that's about 6'10", and I was going to have to go like this. So all of a sudden, I'm looking like this and getting ready to put my hand up, and when I did that, the Holy Ghost said, hit him in the chest as hard as you can. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's probably what heaven was doing. Amen. 
the things that God will tell me to do, I'm sure he gets David and he gets Moses and Elijah and everybody. Hey, gang, get the gang. This is going to be good. Who is it again? It's Hockaday. Oh, these are great. Amen. Let's go. Let's go. Round it up. Round it up. What's he doing with that big guy? I told him to hit him in the chest. Oh, my God, he's going to die. So the Lord told me to hit him in the chest as hard as I could. So I thought, this is not good. So I just, I went, you know, because that guy's like this, you know, he's not paying attention. I, I just tapped him on the shoulder. When the shoulder was here, you know, tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, and, and he goes, yeah, preacher, <laughs> big voice. And I said, um, I'm going to minister to you a little bit differently. I said, the Lord told me to hit you in the chest as hard as I can. And this is what he goes, on one condition, preacher. And I, I thought to myself, when, when did the control switch? I thought I was in control of this. <laughs> Something just happened. Now he's in control. I went, what's the, what's the condition? And he looks at me and goes, if it doesn't work, I'm going to hit you back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dead. I'm dead. So the thought crossed my mind. Instead of the chest, just clip him on the jaw right there. And, and hopefully lay them out and then just close the service down and go to the next meeting. But I thought to myself, you know, no, I got to do this. This is what the Lord asked me to do. So I stepped back like this and rocked myself like this and right into my whole body. Into it, and, boom, and I hit him as hard as I possibly could. I thought I'd take him right off his feet. It was like this. And he looked at me. Talk about an initial shock, like, oh, my God, it almost hurt my hand. <laughs> and he's looking at me like this, and now I have the choice. Well, brother, you know, I mean, it's been good. I'm just going to back off while I can, and uh, I'm faster than you at least. I know that for sure, you know. No, I challenged him because that's the point where you have the contention. So I got up on my toes and put my finger right up under his nose and said, I double dog dare you to check it and see what Jesus has just done. And I shouted, check it now. Just like that. And the guy started to move and all of a sudden big saucer tears dripped off his face. He lifted his hand and said, thank you, Jesus. Then I turned around and grabbed my heart and I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't die tonight. So I look always during those days, and even now I look through scriptures, give me something that's so tangible that allows me to step beyond myself. Because invariably, you'll get to the place where you're really, really strong and very courageous, and all of a sudden, like your head is where your, you know, your feet were a moment before, and you're feeling like, oh man, is this really going to work? And that's where you got to stay the course. You have to challenge what you see. Remember, it'd be real easy to say, how come you're not healed? Well, how come it's taken so long? And the angel's like, come on, man. Are you kidding me? I'm looking in this world over here. She's already healed. You're making this thing so different, difficult. Because you're already well. So I looked this scripture up, and it just really kind of floated my boat. It said, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. And the word yearn means to be overdue in fondness and attention. It gives me the idea of when my girls were little and they would laugh at something and then you would keep on tickling them and keep on snuggling with them and keep on hugging them. Because the more they laughed, the more you wanted to make them laugh. You know what I mean? And now with our grandson, 
our, grand, our little granddaughter was just born a month and a half ago, and our grandson is now 17 months old, so they're real close, and he's just really, really funny little kid. And we love it because both the parents, you know, are very laid back, more phlegmatic type personalities. And here's this little kid off the wall, and we're just laughing, you know, that they have this little guy who's really, really funny. And when you get them laughing or you get them, you know, kind of being silly, it makes you want to embellish that. Like, let's have some more of that. Come on. Oh, he's overdue in fondness and attention. Man, he's wrapping his arms around you, and when you're enjoying it, he's wrapping them out around you again. I love that picture of my father that he wants to touch me. Amen. Now, I don't know how you are. I don't know, you know, what kind of background you came from. You know, my, my background with, with is English and, and my parents and parents' parents, they had so much starch in them, they didn't need to starch their shirts. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, everything was very prim and proper. I sang this, the imperial song, Sail On, When the Waters, you know what I mean? And I think I moved my hips one quarter turn, and my grandfather came, beelined it right to my mother, and said, your son is worldly. He's moving his hips. I didn't know how to move my hips. <laughs> if they did, it was involuntary, and it was only a quarter turn. You know what I'm saying? But we were just more that way. Now, I grew up north of Niagara Falls on the Niagara River, and Niagara Falls during that time was like mostly an Italian neighborhood. Amazing food. And all my friends, I mean, were mostly Italian friends. So going into their homes, I'm telling you what, it wasn't stiff and starchy, man. I mean, I mean mama hugged you, grandma hugged you, the dog hugged you, everybody hugged you. And when you went to talk, everybody was talking at the same time, and I figured it out right away. It doesn't matter if they're listening, you just talk. And if you'll stay with it, sooner or later, someone will listen. <laughs> Grandma used to corner me. You know, she'd be watching 700 Club all the time. She used to corner me, and she'd look at me, and, and I was just trying to be polite and listening to her. You know, my friend would be in the background going like that to you because he knew what Grandma's going to do. And she'd get my cheeks like this and pluck them up, and she'd say, oh, what a beautiful boy. What a beautiful boy. And then when my chicks were like this, she kissed me, and it was just, oh. So I used to call him up and say, is she sleeping? Because if she's not taking a nap, I'm not coming, you know? So two different worlds. God loves to touch. Now look at this next word. He yearns jealously. This means he's intolerant of rivalry. And all of a sudden now, that piqued my curiosity. Not only does he love you, but he's intolerant of rivalry. Now, I want you to see this because when I find things that cause me to see God in his strength and in his, his character, it causes me to get a little bit more sassy and a little bit more bold about my position. And there has to be something in the Word of God that will cause you to move beyond you. Because you're the, you're the biggest problem for you. We all are. The key to your success with God is can you get yourself out of your own way. Amen. And some people can't. And you say, how come? Because they've learned a task or a skill of being in the way constantly. And we need to be learn, skilled at learning how to completely trust and then getting out of the way and let somebody do what they're supposed to do. And when it comes to the things of God, you've got to get your hands off it. If you're going to turn it over to him, get out of the way. Go play. Go enjoy yourself. Yes. Amen. Yes. 
God doesn't need your help. Right? Come on, this one woman, here she is. She's in this church. You can tell she's got a little bit of spunk in her. She's about probably 75 years of age. And I walked by, I was walking down the, the, the aisle, I walked by and I saw her do this. She took her foot and she pulled her cane back out of my way and under the chair. And I walked right by her and she thought she got away with it. And I kept on preaching and then I leaned back and said, I saw that. <laughs> and then I preached a little bit more and then I went back and said, that'll be mine before the service is over. <laughs> So I'm already in her viewpoint. You know what I mean? I've got her on my radar. And so when push came to shove and time came for our wrestling match, because I could tell, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get in the floor on this one, right? I looked at her and said, well, it's time. She said, time for what? I reached down and she went to her. I said, get your hand off it. I grabbed that and I went, and it went up to the platform and it was about 20 feet away. Hit the platform. I said, there you go. If you want it, you got to go get it. And she already just looking at me like, you little brat. You know, I mean, she could tell. She didn't like me. And I said, so get up. Now, when I saw her get up, I didn't know how bad it was. It took her a while. I mean, she's rocking and rocking to get enough. And then she went back down. I said, get up. Rocking. So you're so mean. I know. And I made her rock until she finally got up, and then she stand there like this, because she doesn't have her cane. I threw it up on the platform. I said, now come out here in the aisle. And she came out here in the aisle like this. And I said, now walk. And she went like this. And I said, really? And I got right in her face, really? And she said, what? I said, like, God needs your help, right? I said, stand up and walk like you can. She would have just taken my nose off if she could, but I was enough distance away. She couldn't get me. She couldn't get me. And if she wanted to, I'd say, come on, here we go. So anyhow, I've never seen a transformation like this. Here she is. I, I pressed her, and she went. And took off walking. And then I had to really quick run back. So she didn't get me because it was completely normal. Just like you turned a switch on. Something has to give you the right to go there. He's intolerant of rival. Oh, let's see what this looks like. I got to see what this looks like. Second Chronicles chapter 5. And we look at Solomon building the temple. And it starts here. Well, verse 13 is what I really want to get to. <clears throat> but I'm going to start a little earlier. It says, so all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought all the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and all the furnishings, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Indeed, it came to pass, I'm skipping a couple verses, indeed it came to pass, when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice, <coughs> excuse me, with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord saying, let's see what it says, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. Now, I just want to set a precedent here, how God thinks about his house. 
This is the first time he had one. Right? He'd been a vagabond, in a sense, you could say, you know, traveling around tent to tent to tent, and all of a sudden, he's got a house. How did God respond to the house? Well, it's a nice house. No! God got real happy. Woo! This is my house. And he came in the house, and his glory came in with him, and it filled the house with his glory and his excitement. And those that were in there worshiping God couldn't even stand, and they fell prostrate before the Lord. Now let that become the precedent for what we're about to share right here. Because there's something about God, and you see it the way that it's accurate, you will no longer very timidly try to put your toe in the water to see if it's cold, you'll just jump right in. Do you know that other method of just doing this? It's very, very tormenting. Do you know what I mean? And you get down, you just put a little bit and a little bit here, and then you get brave enough to get down in. And now you go to the knees, it's not that bad. Those lower shins and that skin there is not that sensitive. But then all of a sudden you get into a little more sensitive skin here. And then as soon as you get right up in here, you start going to your tippy toes. Because what you don't want is for someone to splash you that it would go on your stomach or your, the back. You know what I mean? And you'll even tell kids, don't splash, don't splash, right? And then from there, it's nothing but agony. Until you finally... And you could have been in like 10 minutes ago. There's something that's got to make you jump in. And this will do it. Let's look at this a little bit more. So, what does Paul say about the house of God? Well, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now, why would Paul ask a question like that? Unless it's possible that the people were not responding, acting, Talking as though they were the temple of God. So he's got to ask a question. Is there, is there something wrong here? Like, don't you know that your temple's of God? And God actually dwells in you? Why would he say that? Because it doesn't look like they know that. By the things they say, by the demeanor that they carry, by the words they speak, it doesn't look like they know it. And to be honest with you today, it doesn't look like people know that they are the temple of the living God. And actually, not just the temple, but God's home. Yes. Amen. I mean, if you were the temple of God and he wasn't home, well, then you're by yourself. Right. But if you're the temple of God and he's home, well, that creates a whole other scenario. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, it was one thing one day when a bunch of Jehovah Witnesses came to our door and my sister and I were home. And man, I went and I got my Bible and I went right to my Roman road for the wages of sin is death of the gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. None of none are righteous, no, not one. All of sin have fallen short of the glory of God. If you'll confess them with your mouth and believe in your heart, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteous confession is made out of salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, I'm preaching my little Roman road to them, and I'm holding them at bay. And then my dad came home. It's like the Calvary came home. And he walked in, and the moment he walked in, that man's standing right there, I'm on the other side of the screen door. My dad says, excuse me, opens up the door, walks in. The man says, well, I think I'm going to have to go. He, he stepped back out and said, no, you won't. You took my son's time. Now I'm taking yours. Jimmy, go get my Bible. And it was like, yes. And all of a sudden, I watched my dad go right through the scriptures and put that guy in his place. And they're honking the horn. He said, don't you move. Now you know where I got the horn honking and all that stuff, right? <laughs> right? 
Amen. It's amazing when God's home. Now notice what it says. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Mm. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Wow. Oh, that's good. That's good. Is there anything else? Yes. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. It says the same thing. Or do you not know? Now here he's saying it again. Just three chapters later and he's repeating himself. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, he's speaking to us, is he not? Yeah, he's trying to get a point across. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at what it says again. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Well, what do we know about God's house already? When God finally had a house, he came in so happy, he brought his glory with him. And the glory caused people to literally fall on the face. Amen. In other words, there was a tangible cloud that came in that house. Well, if I'm the new covenant temple of the living God, don't you think there's a cloud in me? A presence in me. Now, for some reason, we glory in the stories of old that seems to magnify those who didn't even know Jesus as Lord and Savior but had enough of a relationship with him that there was freedom for God to be himself. I had a friend of mine come years ago, and I asked him why he came to a meeting. He's a cowboy, a rancher, and he said, well, I just want to heal horses. And when he said that, my first response was, well, you'll do better on horses than I do on people. Horses don't have to think. People think. Right? Same principle as God in the Ark of the Covenant. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back and the oxen stumble and the guy by the name of Uzzah is back there and he's watching over the covenant. Without knowing he shouldn't touch the covenant, no, they touch the Ark because God's in there and he's not holy. God's not killing anybody. God's not sending anybody to hell. People choose to not experience Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But when the oxen stumbled and it looked like the, the ark was going to possibly fall, he reached out to just do what he normally would do. And when he touched it, he died. Well, that, that made David so mad. David said, stop the cart, time out. Let's find out. Let's put, let's put this ark somewhere. And he, and he saw a mailbox, went up to the house. It happened to be the house of Obed-Edom. Now, if you'll study, Obed-Edom was not like this amazing Christian man that just loved God and gave alms regularly. No, he's a scoundrel. Sure enough. But he did allow King David to put the ark on his property. Now, think just for a moment. All he did was allow the ark to be there. He didn't worship the ark, didn't get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, not like us Christians. He just said, put it in the back 40. Didn't respect it a whole lot except to say it's fine for it to be on my property. And what started happening? With just that little tiny bit of acceptance to the ark, it gave God the right to come out of the box, get into the dirt, make the grass and the crops grow unbelievably, 
until when the animals ate of the grass, they became so healthy, they gave amazing offspring, and then when the people ate of the fruit of the ground and of the animals, they became so healthy, and in a very short period of time, news got out about the prosperity that hit Obed-Edom's whole household. And you know what David said? It's the ark. Now think about that. How much did he worship it? He didn't. What did he do? He allowed it to be there, but he wasn't in the way. And what did God have the right to do in a box? Be himself. See, it's a harder time to do that within us. Because we get religiously brainwashed, you see, and then that religious brainwash stuff and all turning our attention to what we think religion is, which is I got to do right. I got to make sure everything's perfect. I got to cut my hair now. I got to stop doing this, stop doing that. Amen. You know what you need to do? You need to find God. When you meet him, hang out with him. If you'll hang out with him, good company will change your bad behavior. Just like bad company will corrupt and change your good behavior. God wants to hang out with you. Amen. But we made it such a works program, we've gotten in the way of him being God. Because whenever he can really be God, things really amazing happen. Are you out there? Listen to what Paul said over in Ephesians chapter 2, 21 to 22. Whoa, we're going somewhere tonight. Look at this. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Look at what Moffat's translation said. You are being built together as a sacred temple in the Lord. Johnson translation said, you form a magnificent place for God to live. And in parenthesis, God's crowning achievement. Oh, that's good. Beck's translation said, you are God's home. Jerusalem said, a house where God lives. Wade translation said, a habitation for God to occupy. And Hudson translation said, you form a permanent shrine for God to dwell in. That's who you are. Now, what did God do with the first house? He came with his glory. What do you think he's done with the second house? He came with another level of glory that dwarfs the first level of glory. See, there's so much more about us than we believe ourselves to be. We look too much at ourselves to believe we are the person we see in the mirror. But you are so much more than the person you see in the mirror. That is the outer reflection. The inward person is a God person. Amen. I said it again. The inward person is a God person. Didn't you mean to say you're a human being? If you know what a human being is. Jesus told the winds and the waves to be still, and the disciples went to the back of the boat and said, what manner of man is this? One translation said, what kind of a man? You mean there's different kinds? Yes, exactly. The apostle Paul had to deal with that. People were acting so below their place in God, he said, you're acting like mere men, which seems to indicate that there must be a group of men that are beyond just the normal things of life. What are they? They're called Christians. They're called new creatures in Christ Jesus. That's what we are. You know, all through Genesis, whenever God made something, he said, now reproduce after your own kind. And he got down to everything that he made, and then he said to himself, um, let us make man in our image and our likeness. And if you keep the context, what God said was, we need to make one after us, one in our kind, one after our kind. 
That's what he said. So what was he making? A God kind of being in the image and in the likeness. Living Bible says like God did God make man. Like God did God make man. Mm, the temple of God where glory comes. And Paul said the glory of the first covenant is nothing. It's actually death in comparison to the glory of the latter covenant. And that's where we live. Now, right at about this particular moment, right here, people are being healed and touched in your body. <clears throat> I know that to be true. Especially, I could see someone's lungs. If you've had problems with your lungs tonight, you're being healed right now. Amen. Amen. Someone's hips in this room. Just like a lady last night. She was a marathon runner. She wore her hip down to the point where it was literally destroyed. She's on crutches. Doctor said you need a hip transplant. And I worked with her for 15 minutes. Kept laying hands on her, hands on her, hands on her. And all of a sudden it went from, I'm able to actually, oh, that doesn't hurt. I'm putting actual pressure on it. And I'm swaying back and forth. To now I'm lifting, wow, that doesn't hurt. And all of a sudden it went within 10 minutes, a whole period of 10 minutes. And I told her, I said, uh, I said, ma'am, I said, there is no prescription for how fast you can go or how slow you can go. There's no test. God's not saying you have to, you have to run around the building tonight. I said, but continue to make progress. And all of a sudden, the crutches went down. All of a sudden, she said, oh, I'm walking. There's no pain. She walked back to her seat. She walked to her car, literally going from one step to the next. There's literally no pain in her body. Now, one step after another, God is touching her and healing her and delivering her. Why? Because the glory of the latter covenant is so much greater than the glory of the former. When you begin to have these pieces in your arsenal, you'll step beyond where you don't feel you can go. Why? Because now you're confident God's already been there. Yeah. Come on, let's go just a little bit more. We won't take too much more time. It's 8.22, is it not? Yes, it is. And so I want to go a little bit more to say this. Let's look for just a moment at how God made this body. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, if you look at that, you can tell that man was made to be a container of God. We were doing, you know, so many of these little trips we took when we were younger and the kids were younger, especially because of volleyball. And we didn't like going down to Dallas because they always had construction and you could never get where you were going and, and they, were, they drove so fast down there. It was a little bit hectic, you know. And people drive pretty fast up here too, don't they? Yes, they do. Amen. Sometimes 30 miles over the speed limit without a problem. But anyhow, we just did, we solved that out there in Colorado. The speed limit's 75, and some places it's 80, you know, when you get into Wyoming. So we just put it where everybody wants to go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, but anyhow, we were down there, and we were in this nice hotel, you know, for, with all the other parents, you know, the volleyball players. And we opened the blinds and looked out, and Aaron looks out and says, oh, that's one of my favorite stores. And I'm looking around to see what store that would be, and I can't find it. What store would that be? And she says, well, that one right there. I said, it says container. A container store? She said, yes, it's wonderful. Do you want to go? No. What do they have there? She said, containers. <laughs> and you're excited. I love that store. Oh, my gosh. Right? And I went. And that's it. 
There are blue ones and red ones and short ones and fat ones and skinny ones and long ones and deep ones and shallow ones. Containers, that's it. But in this case, it's a good thing. We're a container. God breathed into and it actually stuck. Now think about this. If God didn't have the composition of man's body down just perfectly, it could have been too porous. And God went, and it went right in one side, and went right, ooh, that didn't work. Or it could have been, you know, too solid like plastic and it, went, and it came right back into him. Oh, that didn't work. You know? But God did just perfect on the composition so that man was porous enough to drink in the presence of God and live in the body and be able to stay there and yet at the same time be able to come out of the body and bring blessing to himself and others around him. Tremendous revelation. Look at Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. What was inside of him began to what? It began to grow in intensity as he worshiped the Father until it literally came right through his pores, right through his clothes, and it looked like there was a bright halo all over his whole entire body. He began to shine with brightness. Well, that's Jesus. No, that's just someone who's not limited by someone telling you that these things aren't possible. That was somebody that hadn't been to that church. Come on now, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you plain here. If you don't know some of the things we've been told, then you'll just go places other people won't go that have been told. And the only thing they've got left to do is to say, you actually know something that I don't, or to say something like, well, that's probably a, a, a familiar spirit. And that's what they'll say most of the time. Oh, you better be careful now. They're operating in familiar spirits. Why? Because we've actually gone someplace that you haven't gone before. The possibilities of experiencing God right now in your spirit are actually exactly what Jesus wanted us to experience. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Well, how would it be to your advantage that Jesus is gone when the disciples obviously had a personal touch with him? Even John said over in his first epistle, he said, we heard him, we saw him, we, we held him, we touched him, the word of life that was made manifest unto us, and our joy we want to translate into your joy. Well, thanks a lot, John, for making it look so nice when he's not here. But see, that's the whole thing. The moment you get saved, your spirit comes alive unto God. Where now you have the potential in your spirit to know God in a greater tangible degree than your flesh knows one another. Brother Hagen used to always say, when I get in bed at night to my wife Aretha, the Holy Ghost is more real than she is. Amen? And I'm going to have that with my wife, Erin. And that doesn't discredit her. It just means when you get quiet, your spirit can find that spiritual world because when you're busy, your flesh is all about the fleshy world. Come on, everybody. One more thought. I want to show you how this works. Look at this right here. Man, this is a great scripture. It's over here, Ephesians chapter 3. It just says exactly what we need it to. Verse 19 in the Amplified, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of God which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. So mere knowledge is when you don't have experience. Real knowledge is for the sake of what? Experiencing what you haven't experienced before you understood what you're understanding. Amen? 
I'm going, I'm, going to, I'm going to release something to you, and this isn't necessarily a positive. It's kind of a negative, but still it's really good to hear. If you're not experiencing God like you ought, maybe you should go back to the place where you were and then look at your next revelation and then make sure you experience that one because then you'll experience every one after that. In other words, one of the most difficult things is, is that we get information beyond our experience because then you have knowledge which will corrupt your actual relationship. Every bit of knowledge that you receive is so that you can have something greater in tangibility with God. Amen. And if you don't, then you become someone filled with knowledge. Someone filled with knowledge always runs the risk of being in pride, that they know something, but they actually can't get it to work. Come on, I didn't say that to hurt you. I said that to help you. Some of the things, actually, that we're wanting to see God do, we already know how they work. But we've refused to actually step out and work them. Give me just a couple minutes and you look at this. It says that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence, and I love this part, and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That right there is how God fills the temple, that you would become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. What does that mean? That means the bigger part of you begins to take over. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if you want to live beyond the flesh, then just become aware of him and not your flesh now let's go to how this all makes sense come with me to John chapter 2 and we'll stop right here and God will minister to people if you need it because you hear what you're going to hear right here and it's very possible for you to get healed right in your seat as we began to change our direction in healing school, now I was just learning, came off the road, and I'm pretty much just Baptocostal, folks. I mean, you know, I'm making the change, but I've got more time invested in my Baptist theology than I do in the things of Pentecost or the things of full gospel. So in other words, I'm still better at doubting than I am at believing. Why? Because I spent 23 years learning how to be a really good doubter. I mean, think of what we did. It didn't even make sense. We'd pray for God to heal us if it be his will, and then once he didn't, then we'd, we'd come to the conclusion, I guess it's not his will, but the very next day we had an appointment to get out of his will. If it, if it was his will for me to be sick, which is just a form of death, that wouldn't have given him more glory to die? See, it's foolish when you try to do things with your mind. That's why even the greatness of, of intellect is, is made to be a fool in the simplicity of God. Amen? Amen? Well, look at these principles right here. We're looking at John chapter 2, 13. It says the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Come on, get ready for this. This is healing right now to your body. This is healing to someone's heart. God just showed me someone's heart will be healed right here tonight. In other words, all the difficulties you've had with your heart will disappear right here. Your doctors will be able to tell you something has happened. You've got a brand new heart. Something is wonderful in your heart. Amen. There's someone else in circulation here tonight. Amen. Somebody with circulation problems. God's healing you of circulation problems. Come on, there's all kinds of Okay, it's just coming like a river now. So, so digestive difficulties. Amen. Someone's being healed to, tonight of digestive. One of the parts of that digestive difficulty is acid reflux. That's going to disappear, and I'm going to have to minister to you, but as I do, God will set you free, and you can eat whatever you want. You can go get a real sloppy pizza, eat the whole thing if you want to, and you will not have a problem with acid reflux. I'm telling you, God's healing people tonight. There's someone that's got a problem that's kind of up under your arm a little bit, maybe even on your ribs up high. Is there anyone like that got a problem up like that? Is there someone like that? Is that you? God's healing you right now. Amen. I don't even give you 10 minutes. 
Okay, for you to be able to go check yourself and see that the Lord has touched you. I haven't even shared this with you, and he's already jumping, jumping, jumping. You see, back in those days in healing school, God would tell me, listen, you're talking about me in a way where I can do something, but you don't give me the chance to do it. It's kind of like being the MC, and you're doing a great job introducing the guy that's going to come on and give you the show of your life, but the guy's over there saying, what gives? Come on, let me on. Right? And so I'd be preaching, and it changed my preaching because then I began to say things, trigger words, that I knew he would like. Well, don't you have to do it as the Lord wills? He already showed us that he wills. He took your sickness. He bore your infirmity. He took your pain. He took all your sin and all your sorrow so that we could have it now, not tomorrow, but right now. All I got to do is say it in a way for you to actually think that God could do it now, and he's coming on to the platform, amen, to do his thing, amen, and his thing always works, amen. Right there, right then, whatever that was, will you check yourself and see that the Lord has just touched you? Do you need to go out? to see can you check right now will you check what's what amen it's not there is the muscle there the muscle didn't leave but amen the pain did yay yay praise the lord that's right that's right amen 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 who's got a problem with a tendon somewhere in your leg that's had a problem god's healing that tendon right now who's got that problem amen is that Amen. God's healing the tendon right now in your leg. Amen. Anyone else want to jump in on that one? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Think of that old song. There shall be showers of blessing. Oh, amen. We need Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead, showers a blessing. Amen. Look at what this says now. It says, in the temple, the temple, what, what have we been talking about? We are the temple. Remember what Paul said? He said, you are the temple of God, and if anyone comes to destroy the temple, which you are, him, God, he will what? Destroy. Why? Because he's intolerant of rivalry and he's overdoing fondness and attention. Don't get in the way of our God. He goes on to say, in the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And it goes on to say his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house hath consumed me. <laughs> that is a picture of what God's doing right now. He is not Tiny Tim with a ukulele. Can you get this through your mind? He doesn't drink his coffee with his pinky up. You got to go back a few years to find those kind of men that they just are men. You know what I mean? My dad was one of those. He had big bones. I got my mom's bones. I have to work hard to put muscle on these bones because they're smaller bones. My dad's forearm was about as big as my thigh. 
he'd always come in and say, Jimmy, how you doing? Boom, and give me one of those things and just knock you clear across the room. You know, back in those days, you could never hurt. I remember him throwing me a pass in the front yard. And I'm running like this. I took a cut and came over here and caught this pass. And here's, here's a light pole. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's like metal, steel, down into the ground with you know, two big things. And it's, it's, the only thing that saved me was it was covered because it was Halloween time. You know, It was covered with corn stalks. And he threw it like this and boom! And I'm on the ground seeing stars hit my head right on it. My whole body went full speed right into it. On the ground just shaking my head just big. And he looked at me, you're all right, get up. You couldn't hurt. Your, arm, your wings like this. Said, You're fine. Dad, look. Oh, it's fine. You know, you could. This is back in the day. Amen. Jesus wasn't prissy. Can we even say those things anymore? I just did. Look at what he did. He walked into the temple and there were things going on in there that shouldn't go on in there. He said, oh, isn't this fun? Let's just have a party. No, he didn't talk like that. He walked in. He saw something that wasn't right. And guess what he did? He went over and made a whip. He got something in his hand to be able to drive them out. And the word drive out means with force that cannot be withstood. Jesus didn't go, come, come, come on, you donkeys, get out of here. No, he drove them out. Come on, I don't want to get too violent with you here tonight in the way that I present this, but I want you to know that God takes it personally if there's a cancer in your body. He wants to kill that cancer. Drive it out of your body. Release you and set you free. He does not want you to have asthma in your body. He doesn't want you to be allergic to anything. He wants your ears to hear and your eyes to see and your limbs to be made whole. God wants you well. How does he do it? In a manner that will drive it out of your life. I like these words. He'll drive it out. Then he'll pour it out. And then he'll overturn the diagnosis. And the last thing he's going to do is what? He's going to tell it. Get out of my house. In what manner is he going to do this? It says, zeal for your house hath consumed me. Do you know the word zeal? Seems to give the idea when water is bubbling the intensity of water that gets so hot, it starts to bubble. Do you think Jesus said this real nice, or do you think there was some fire in his eyes? Come on, I love Joe Morris' story. If you haven't heard his story about Jesus. 1997, Fred Couples is winning the Masters Tournament. Joe's preparing for the morning meeting. Has this morning meeting it's as flat as a pancake. Sometimes that happens. Joe goes back to the room, and he's just got this spunk about him. He says to the Lord, if that's the best you can do, he said, then you can have the service tonight. I'm going to watch Fred Couples win the Masters. And sure enough, Fred won the Masters. And then all of a sudden, Joe got a little nervous because, you know, he hadn't prepared it all. So he gets into the service, and he's just starting to get in there doing one of his Elvis impressions, you know, and, and, and just, just, just beginning to get the people to where, and all of a sudden, the hair on the back of his neck went, ching, and he knew something just walked into the building. And he turned around, 
And right there on the steps to the platform is Jesus. Joe's seen him many times with the eyes of love that'll just melt your heart, but this time there was fire in his eyes. And when Joe saw Jesus with fire in his eyes, all he could think of was, oh God, forgive me, I'm here, but please forgive me. And he said, Jesus pointed at him and he shouted. He said, I know exactly what Jesus sounded like as a preacher. Tell them, when I walked on the water, I walked as a man. Tell them, when I raised the dead, I did it as a man. Tell them, when I came out of the grave, I rose again as a man. Tell them, and Joe said it's like his hair just split. And he's like, okay, I'll tell them. Fire consumed him. Zeal. The word consume is kind of like somebody that's so hungry, they eat the whole thing, ravish it, devour it. How does God want to deal with cancer? Oh, he wants to devour it. He's not going to play with it. <laughs> He's not going to go back and forth like, oh, you're pretty strong. He's going to devour it. He's going to consume it. He's filled with such love for you that it causes anything that comes against you to be in 100% opposition to his love. And he will not be denied. Can you lift your hands right now as we close? God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.